You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello! And thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping a score at home, this is 158, the Bracket Buster edition. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, welcome back, Liv. Welcome back. I feel like we haven't uh, we haven't chatted in a while. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Sanders. Your dreams were your ticket out. So I got a couple things uh, to cover. It's been uh, we only missed last week, but I don't know. I, mean, I guess it was an eventful week, so I feel like uh, I we feel had a lot like of stuff missed. going on last week. Yeah. So so a couple things um, that I want. Theoretically, to cover. I was still supposed to be having a lot of stuff going on, but not so much anymore. But whatever. Just <laughs> like you're like a jilted lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? What is, what is, what is it called when they leave the lady at the altar? Um, jilt, yeah, I guess jilted, right? Yeah, it, I think that's as good as you're gonna get. Okay, yeah. all right. Left holding the. Uh... Very good. Yeah. Um. Hey, so I got a couple of bookkeeping uh, issues. First, uh, first a couple melancholy happy trails these are this is this is a little bit of a personal self-serving uh moment here but i uh, i made enough of an impact on me that i that i kind of need to or would like to acknowledge it um i'm a feeling where you might be going with this oh i don't know this is this is super personal and this is this is really kind of uh out of uh, out of left field and, and relatively serious, a little more serious than we we typically delve. But I, I don't know. It's something that I think should be acknowledged with people uh, our age and, and entering the the stage of life we're entering. Two, um, I got two uh, two sad notes in recent weeks um, of friends' parents passing away, which is always kind of a bummer. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. But yeah. in this particular instance, the uh, the these two are these two people are are, are joint um, at a particular stage in my life. If you go back, if you go to my formative college, my my formative high school college years, right? There's probably there's probably a, a few names of of people that uh, that the eleven oh six crew or or um, good friends would rattle off as being prominent female influences, right? I had my my high school girlfriend Mandy, and that um, you know was was a running theme through freshman sophomore uh, in junior year. If you ask Peters or Reardon, you know Mandy, yeah. and they'll have a few good chuckles and laughs. And then obviously TD, everybody knows yep. TD, yeah. little Teresa Di Pasquale Grasso. Uh, was kind of omnipresent in you know in the mid to later college years, and then of course Jody, everybody yeah. knows Jody. Jody Skolnick, everybody knows Jody. But the fourth person on that Mount Rushmore of of uh, of my Halcyon days uh, was a friend named Erica. 
She was the, um, she was just kind of a random chick that I knew. I met her when I worked at Six Flags and down from Jersey, down from Jersey in, uh, Jackson, New Jersey, as uh, soap would say, Jackson, New Jersey. These are like um, your adventure park years. Yeah, adventure exactly. land, whatever that movie was. Great, great exactly. It, it, yeah. That's very much so what it was like. That's yeah. what it was like. I was um, a high school, college kid. I worked on the Sky Ride. I, I ascended to what they call the lead because it's like a theme park, you know, like a. Uh, Warner Brothers owned it for a while, so like lots of Bugs Bunny type of stuff. Right? Yes, like, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. So everybody had to take like a show role, like a showbiz role, and I was the lead on the on the Sky Ride. And directly across the Sky Ride was the um, was the Log Flume, and the Log Flume was a relatively uh, as far as rides go, was probably the coolest ride you could work on because you got a um, you got a pay raise for working actual moving rides. Okay. Like, uh, if you worked the, the Ferris wheel, you didn't get a pay raise. But if your ride had moving parts... Essentially, if somebody could die on your ride, you got an extra quarter an hour. Well, that's a way to get teenagers to pay attention, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, right across the... Um, Right across the, all it takes. Right across the way was the the log flume, and that's where all the cool people worked. Hey, what are you uh, what are you chewing on there, pal? What are you what are you nah, wrinkling I was just up there? Some shuffling some papers. <laughs> you're taking uh, you you're taking care of some correspondences. Yes, <laughs> my dearest Eliza. <laughs> so right across from the sky ride, which was obviously elevated. Um, was the log flume? That's where the cool kids worked. Did you make sure people got onto the sky ride and were strapped yeah, that, in and all that? That that was my job. So the sky ride would come in and it was attached to a cable, uh, a relatively large gauge cable, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and it had a, a mechanism that clamped the car onto the cable, and when it came into the station, it unclamped, and you would catch this car, which probably weighed uh, the same. As a you know, a, a hatchback Volkswagen Golf, something something along those lines, right? Okay. So it's full of people, and it's gathering speed, and it's coming in. And you got to catch it, and you got to unlock the door, and you got to let them out, and then you wheel it around to the next uh, person in the line, and they hold the door open for the people, and they lock it, and they send it off. It's like a precision machine, like an orchestra, exactly. Yeah. And it's my job. To, to make sure that this is going off without anybody dying. But right across from me was the log flume, which all they had to do was sit in chairs along the flume and make sure people didn't stick their hands in the water and throw <laughs> cups of water onto people below. That was it. It was like the easiest job. And across But it got paid a quarter more than yours. Uh, well, no, no. I also was a, a, a ride somebody could die on, so I also got a quarter. Oh, so we're okay. same pay grade. We're same pay grade, but I mean, yeah, like, my yeah, job yeah, was yeah. way harder. They didn't put pretty people on the uh, cable car. They put the pretty people on the log flume because there's a lot of interaction with the same people all the time because of the way the, the queue went. You were basically in the station the whole time, so you had to have, like, 
presentable people working the log flume. Yes, the log flume was the end crowd. Exactly. Well, on the top, you know, when you go on a log flume, there's you go up the top, up the top, up the top, and then you know it lets you off, and then you kind of shoot through the through the through the 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 maze, the flume part there. Yeah. Up at the top was always this chick, and she was like the chick for the section. Like, <laughs> good-looking broad and always kind of got, you know, attention from the dudes. and uh, But was super cool because on occasion, when we were short people, they'd send us people or we'd go over there to cover their breaks or whatever. You know, in- intermingling of the classes kind of deal. Um, well, that was uh, Erica, the, 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 the hot chick in the cool crowd. Um and she worked the log flume, and everybody loved Erica. Somehow, uh, we chatted one day, or walking back to the locker room or something along those lines. Found out she lived around the corner from me uh, and went to elementary school, but she was a grade older than me, and I don't remember. Uh, but at this point, you know, we're in college and, and kind of gone our separate ways. So, uh, Erica. Where the hell else you going to meet girls when you're good on all guys high school? Ex- exactly. Exactly. Trust me, I know the dilemma. So and there Eric, you are, you're Jesse Eisenberg hanging out at your sky ride. It's exactly. It's this. It, they basically took my uh, high school and college diary or journal, off. journal as I should say, and ripped it off. That's exactly right. Uh, but Erica and I became friends, and. She, since I went to an all-boys high school that was relatively far from where I left, when I came home on breaks and when I came home for the summer, Erica was kind of my go-to friend, especially after I turned 21 and could legally drink in New Jersey. We would go out and go to, like, to the local VFW hall or like the town hole in the wall and just get wasted. We'd have fun. We had a good time, and her friends became my friends. But oh, she and I always kind of hung out, and we had a uh, we had a pretty good relationship. And through the years, we kept in touch. Um, college, graduation, uh, post grad, law school, the whole deal. We had relatively open lines of communication. Um, we'd lost touch over the years, but um, for the most part, would consider us ha- having you know kept a connection. Um, well, over the last couple months, both uh, Jody Skolnick and Erica Sobolski's moms passed away. Damn. Now, both of them had been sick um, for for relatively long periods of time. I think uh, I think Jody Skolnick's mom um, had cancer that that had spread. Um, and Erica's mom, I believe, had Alzheimer's or, or some form of dementia. Um, now, both of these people I had lost, I've lost touch with, you know, at least over the last ten years since I've been back from Curacao and, you know, married and 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 moved to, you know, a reasonably adult stage of life or adult station in life. Um, but both of these people played a a, a particularly large role in. Uh, you know, my I'm gonna call them my formative years because I was basically a dork until I got to college. You know, yeah. I just yeah. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't forming a personality or or you know, from my perspective anyway. College is where I I yeah I I'm right there with you. I totally get it, brother. But these are two people who 
who were parts of that. Um, and, and it kind of sucks, you know, it kind of sucks because you lose touch with people like that and you know, you can't really truly offer your condolences. I sent a couple of sympathy cards. I, I, I tracked down, uh, addresses as, as best I could and sent some sympathy cards, but, um, it's always awkward to just show up to like the wake and stuff. Cause I hate all that stuff anyway. So it's yeah. like weird when you haven't been in touch with somebody and you show up, you know, yeah, exactly. like, it's like, and this is why I'm going to shit, you know, you know, like it's just, I don't know. It's yeah, very, no, I get it. It's awkwardness a, to it all. Like, and the whole situation is, 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 is awkward. It's a, it's an unenviable situation to begin with. Right. Yeah. And it's only made worse by, by your your own position in it, and especially like your own insecurities in it, and your own awkwardness in it, and, and um, it's just a it's just a bummer, you know, because it it's that reflective time, you know, yeah. where it kind of makes you think back on on days gone by, and and uh, kind of puts things in perspective, but yet at the same time, like, well, things keep moving forward, and you you know, doesn't matter how much perspective you have, you gotta. You know, you got to kind of plug away with with what you're plugging away with, which was very, uh, very fortuitous that I ended up going to Boston within the f- days following that. Now, I couldn't go, uh, I couldn't go to any of the wakes anyway, um, but this just so happened to be uh, at a time where like, you know, I'm thinking about all this shit and 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 processing all this stuff and i hadn't been up to boston in a while and it or i hadn't seen really anybody in a while and had a trip planned already so that kind of was was a was a other side of the coin kind of deal right yeah you know and as as much as as it's easy to just kind of go about your daily routine and especially for me when I've got none of those contacts around here, a trip like that is, was well placed and well, uh, and, and, and well deserved. And those guys were, you know, as always, we have a good time when we yep. get together. It was a blast. The right spot. Yeah. And you know, I stay with Reardon a night or two and, and he, you know, he puts on like a grand tour. Of you know oh well, well we got to go see these guys and these guys are gonna and I'm gonna organize a night out and we'll go up to lunch and like he's Who is a, this he's, Mike yeah he's a host you know yeah, he loves yeah, yeah. that he's good at that and then uh, and then I stay with BP and Carla um you know for a couple you nights stayed and, in the uh, the Liver Carry Suite well that's Maisie's bedroom now oh yeah 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 especially now they get bedroom. the second kid on the way too so i slept in the um in the nursery which is Maisie's old room uh but they made That's up probably a, more appropriate anyway for you yeah right? it's true it's <laughs> true and like you know they're just they're brian and carla so you come and you're automatically indoctrinated into their routine it's just like no big deal that you're there come on and let's have breakfast and and it's not it doesn't throw them off their game. You know what I mean? They're just so easy going. Uh, and their kid is so freaking cute, man. I don't yeah. know when the last time you were up there, uh, if she was walking and talking and like had yeah, a little I mean, personality. Time I was up, last time I was up there was 2016, man. She was still just a baby, like a baby baby. So imagine like, uh, 
you know, a young BP, 18, 19 year old, BP, freshman, sophomore BP, not angry Viking BP, like, like cute, cuddly bear BP after a couple, uh, after a couple Coors Lights, right? Yeah. Just, you know, having a good time, wide eyed, taking it all in, you know, kind of bouncing off the walls a little bit. Does have a friend that showed up to mock him who's been planning it secretly for like a year and a half. <laughs> BP. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have a close friend who's been plotting against him for over a year just to ruin his night. BP. Yeah, yeah that one. Okay. Now, take, take that person's DNA and mix it with... Carla, <laughs> smart, you know, biting, uh, you know, sharp as a tack. Literally biting. Sense of humor uh, and like and Carla smarts. Bite people. Like this kid is, yeah. is like, Hopefully I don't know what. The, Brian's appetite though, you know. Uh, she is a good eater. She's yeah, a very good eater. Because Carla only likes like three things. Oh, like, no, this kid eats. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This kid eats. I don't know. Um, uh, beef and cheese. Beef and cheese. <laughs> beef and cheese. Yes, I was saying three things. I was like, I couldn't even think of a third thing. Yeah. I guess Bud Lights. Um, yeah. um, so it was great. We had a good time, and the kid is, is super cute. And then, of course, Mike Peters um, got a day off. Uh, he came up from from Plymouth, and we all went out Saturday. It was like uh, hot tub time machine kind of kind of situation you yeah. know it was uh it was fun pretty you looked pretty... in the mirror and saw your 20 year old self yes exactly yeah exactly and it wasn't uh you know it wasn't over overdone or you know it wasn't uh, there wasn't too many uh too much drunken excess just the perfect amount of good time which yeah, well, the older I, you get the harder the drunken excess gets to have yeah, I mean, don't forget. I mean, don't don't tell us short. We were pretty close. However, um, that it was the, just the right amount of of shenanigans. So we had a good time. So I want to thank those. Sounds guys. like a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was the right time. It put you know, um, I needed that. If I was left home to kind of, you know, contemplate the uh, the nether regions of my mind, um, I'd be in a in a tough place which leads me to my final uh course of business is uh while we're while we're in the nether regions of our mind a uh i want to say thanks to you for uh for chatting out all of your uh your health related issues over the last couple weeks that's that's typically not something that you delve too deep into like your personal stuff we kind of we kind of use the podcast for different stuff and i use it a little more as a therapeutic tool and you typically don't you keep your private stuff pretty private um but because of you and because of you being uh not only just kind of throwing your stuff on front street but also giving a little bit of a medical context to it i went out and bought myself a um, what's a, the finger pricker thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a what's, blood sugar tester. B- blood sugar tester. Yeah. Blood sugar tester because 
I know about diabetes and I know about being healthy and I know about the whole shooting match, but until you start to understand the context of it and like losing your vision and, and all the elements that go into this practical results to this abstract problem, you don't, you don't think about it and, and until it's too late. Right. So yeah. If you're in the danger zone, I mean, as weird as it is to say, I got lucky that yeah. something bad happened to me because it happened to me at a young enough age. But, like, you know, most people just let it because, I mean, statistics bear all that shit out, man. Men don't go to the doctor regularly, you know? Yep. Yep. Like, it's like if you, if you were, if I was, if I was 50, and it finally manifests itself. That meant it probably would have been gone on for like 12, 13 years at that point. And that might have been too damn late, you know, to yeah. actually help me out. So. so I'm not by any means healthy, but during an extended fast. So so what I've been doing without getting too far into the weeds is I've been uh, I've been putting these extended fasts into my into my health regimen. Um, which means I, you know, sometimes I go a day or two without eating and on an extended fast, my blood sugar was at 81. Damn. That's really good though. That's really good. During a normal, uh, let's see, during a normal fast, like when I wake up in the morning, uh, it is somewhere around 95 typically. Yeah, you have good blood sugar. A post meal um, two hours before meals is no different than my waking blood sugar, somewhere between 93. So over the last uh, 17 days, uh, I'm sorry, last 14 days, I've taken a number of readings at different times. My average blood... uh, Glucose level is uh, 95. Okay, that's gold. You have great blood sugar. So that was kind of a a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, an exhale to say that, well, of all the things that I have to address, at least that's something that I don't have to address. But I wouldn't have done that. You just got to make sure you don't all of a sudden become like a fried food uh, sugar nut, you know? Just keep doing what you're doing. You're all right. Good. So, but that's uh, all to you. And, you're, and you go to the gym and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I've been uh, back to the gym. They let me back in. I had to <laughs> ask permission, but they let me back in. So, uh, so that's it. That's my that's my bookkeeping. Those are my uh, melancholy and happy trails, um, and uh, greetings and salutations to. I mean, to those I folks. hate to say. Because nothing, it all pales in comparison, but I thought what you were going to talk about, the melancholy happy trail, I thought you were going to mention Chris Gedney. Yeah. Do you remember Chris Gedney? I do. Why? He he died? Yeah, he died a few days ago. And they didn't say, initially they didn't say why he died. I mean, they might have come up with a reason now, but he was only 48 years old or going to be 48. I'm not sure. I know he was born in 1970, you know? What did they come up with? A did they release a? I don't know if they've updated since, but it was like I think they were probably trying to be just private about it. Okay, because it wasn't like the family was like not letting people know he died. 
You know, because the university tweeted stuff out. It's just that they didn't say why he died, you know? You think uh, like a CTE situation? Uh, I'm not going to speculate on his... Oh, nobody's speculating? There's, yeah, it's just, yeah. Oh, I, mean, okay. I, I know he was working for Syracuse, I'm pretty sure, you know? But I I mean, what before I ever went to Syracuse, I remember one of the first things I remember was probably like, might have been night two or night three, you know, before uh, when I was still in high school and they played Miami in the Dome. Yes. And he got stopped short, like at the half yard line on the final play of the game, Chris Kelly. Yeah. Right. And what year was that? Was that your, you didn't it was go like there yet? Yeah, 92 or 93. Yeah, I was before I was, it's when I was yeah. still in high school, you know? That was, I believe, and that my was as close as they came to beat Miami until they finally beat him when I was there. You know, but like Miami was always the, you know, that was the standard and they could never, as good as they were, they could never conquer Miami, you know, and that year they got, you know, they threw in the ball in the last play and he got friggin' stopped short of the goal line, man, just short of the goal line. That, we've actually talked about that game. That was the, that was my freshman year and that was the game where I sold the ticket. Okay. Yeah. So it must've been 92. 92. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes oh, sense. Man. Night four, we played Miami. My freshman year, we played Miami in the dome. And that yeah. was the year uh, McNabb puked. Was that that game? No, McNabb was my year. So yeah, that's what I mean. Ninety. McNabb yeah. didn't start playing. Kevin Mason was the quarterback my freshman year because McNabb was a red shirt. Ah, uh, what's the game where he where yeah, he, he he puked in a Super Bowl? I thought he also did it. I mean, he might have done it in college, but famously, like Terrell Owens called him out for that, for puking in the Super Bowl. Oh, it was after a play. Maybe it wasn't McNabb. Maybe it was somebody like... Marvin Graves? Marvin Graves, yeah. Marvin Graves. Kevin Mason was the... He was the brief stopover between Marvin Graves and Donovan McNabb. So maybe it was that Miami game. The one-year bridge. And maybe it was the play right before the Gedney play where essentially he gets concussed. Okay. And he he just, he walks over to the sideline, he pukes, he puts his helmet back on and he comes back in for the play. I'll have to look that up or I might be, I might be transposing memories and and putting that McNabb play into Syracuse universe. But either way, man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yep. Definitely is, man. Um... Definitely is. Wow. But that's uh But like you sucks. see a guy like that who's like born in the same decade as you. Right, and you're talking about like all these you know, you're talking about kind of taking control of your health and and, and getting on the straight and, and narrow and, and kind of putting things uh, off onto the right foot and it you know, kinda of puts things in perspective. So that's uh that's a bummer. Yep. That's a bummer. But not all uh was uh, not all bad news in the Syracuse universe. No, not at all, man. We had some surprising good news. Whether or not you think we deserve to be there, <laughs> we're we're in the we're in the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament, which is exciting because uh, these last couple years, man, have been super frustrating. Yeah, and um, 
Well, Behan said himself yesterday, press conference afterwards, he's like, uh, you know, maybe one or two percent of our fans thought we actually had a chance to go, you know, or thought we were going to go. You know, I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I didn't expect him to go. I had already, when they lost to BC, I had resigned myself to the fact that we're not going to the tournament, you know? Exactly. And then I was like, they won the first round of the ACC tournament. I was like, oh, maybe they can still get in. But then all the other stuff happened. I was like, oh, they're not going to get in now because upsets were happening in one-bid leagues and stuff, you know? Yep. Or one and two-bid leagues, uh, the second or third team was winning the tournament and stuff. And then it culminated yesterday when Davidson knocked off uh, Rhode Island and it came out. It was like earlier in the day. It was like if Rhode Island doesn't win today, there's a team who's definitely being moved off the ledger, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, I was like, well, I'll just find out who wins anyway and uh, or who gets in. I'll find out who gets – whether they get in or not. And um, big deal. I don't have to pay attention to this. But I was at the gym, and I get done. It's like 20 to 5, and, you know, that's what time the thing was coming on. was 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock your time. Yep. And this year what they were doing was they were just going to say all the teams in it first, you know, instead of uh, release the brackets, which was new, you know. Which I didn't mind. People, yeah, I didn't people mind have been crushing it. Yeah, because I didn't care about once they start talking about brackets because I didn't, you know, because all I want to know was whether we were going to get in or not, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, and I had to go run some errands because I'm going to Costa Rica and <laughs> the stupid hundred milliliter liquid rule. I was like, "Fuck! I gotta get suntan lotion." That's uh-huh. less than a, that's a hundred <laughs> milliliters or less, right? You know, which is like not the most commonly carried size of sunblock. You know, <laughs> especially if you're going to Costa Rica. Yeah, I mean, luckily I'm only gonna be there for like reality, like four days. You know, so it's not like I need. Freaking what I would need for a week long, but still, it's yeah. freaking ridiculous. Uh, but that's a whole another podcast about the stupidity behind those rules. <laughs> uh, especially since I have like a 150 milliliter bottle that I brought back from Mexico. All <laughs> oh, right. But it's right. like I don't want to risk having to bring it down because generally they're bigger dicks in the U.S. getting out of the country. Um, so anyhow, I was like, ah, that can wait. I need to go home and see this now. So I get home, I turn it on and, and not only were they releasing all the names first, first they did all the, the 32, uh, you know, automatic bids, but then they were going to do the 36 guaranteed, uh, at large bids, but they were doing them alphabetically. Right. <laughs> right. And we're Syracuse. You know, we're pretty close to the end of the alphabet as far as college names go. So when they get to the S's, I start trying to do the alphabet math of like... St. Bonaventure and Syracuse. Yeah, and St. Mary's. Are they, Is St. Mary's S-A-I or is it S-T? You know, like, because if St. Mary's gets in, that did that bodes very poorly for us. 
Well, what blew me away first when they when they first got doing it, Arizona State gets in. And I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't bode well for us if Arizona State got in. Yes, right, yeah. right. Because they were showing earlier in the day Jerry Palm's picks, you know? Yep. And Jerry Palm had Arizona State outside, but he had Syracuse as his last team in. But he was one of the few people that was putting Syracuse in the field, you know? Okay, yeah, right. Most of these people weren't putting Syracuse in the field. Yep. Uh so Arizona State does it, gets in, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't bode well. But then they they get to Miami, and like, if you're following along, you see that that means Louisville's not in the field. I was like, all right, well, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, man, they're sure picking a lot of teams from the SEC, you know, um, which is like, I was like, I can't believe they're going to pick more teams from the SEC than the ACC. And then and then they get to it and no Notre Dame, you know. And it's like, all right, we might have a chance now, you know. Yeah. But even Arizona State went in. They didn't take Louisville and they didn't take Notre Dame. And it's like they got to take certain amount of teams from the ACC. I'm sure of it, you know. Right. So, yeah, who they do? Somebody. There was another like Saint School. Then they got the Saint Bonaventure. I was like, all right, well, we come after St. Bonaventure. I know that. Alphabetically, we'll be after them. And then we were the next team. And I was like, ah, oh, thank God. I was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, um, it was an awesome feeling. And I have feels about that. But I'll let you talk about your experience watching it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Same same exact thing. It, you know, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do geography bingo and figure out what you know where these schools are who am i missing you know and and like who's on the who was on the bubble to begin with because besides us um i've watched some basketball these last couple weeks and i had followed seton hall and i followed the big east um because of my buddy popkin um so like i'm going through it and it's the same thing you know you're just trying to do the math to figure out how many outs do we have? It's like playing poker, right? You know, you're yeah. seeing the cards flop, and you're calculating the odds in your head. Um, it's not our big east, you know. It's right, right, like, right. Like, honestly, um, it's not as good as our big east was. <laughs> All right, Roscoe. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, no, I know it's true. I know it's true. But I Roscoe, mean, like, Providence was never playing for the title in our big east. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. I, I would guess the nineteen. What? What was that? Eighty seven or the Patino? Um, they might not have even played for it then. They made the final four as a Cinderella that year. We almost won the title. The national championship that year the conference final was probably still like syracuse versus georgetown or something (laughs) roscoe had this thing though you're right it's not it's it's not comparable um but he would get you know because he was a you know drunk all the time he gets Uh, pissed about it right yeah he gets pissed he called the big least the big least uh, i'm not getting pissed about that like that it's just in terms of it being equated to the same, it's like like all these stories are coming out. Oh, Villanova's the most consistent team. Oh, they're able to dominate. It's like, yeah, they did win that national championship a couple of years ago. Besides that, they've mostly like underperformed at the tournament, except for that one year. Yeah. You know? 
it's like, yeah, they kind of fly through the Big East, but that's because they're the last remaining true power team that was left in the Big East, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and Georgetown and friggin' St. John's were already, you know, they were already mediocre, you know? Oh yeah, 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 and they're they're just shell programs at at this yeah, point. But Villanova was a good program, so yes, of course they're dominating the conference. Yeah, yep. But it's um, you know, it's local here. Yeah. It's so so it, you know, it grabs your imagination, it grabs your attention, and when you have personal ties to it between um between my buddy Popkin and my brother Jeremy, um, you know, Where you take interest. Go? Jeremy went to Seton Hall. Okay. I mean, I still enjoyed watching their – I mean, I only saw like the last few minutes and then the overtime the other night. It's still great watching. The, it's still more pleasurable to watch the Big East Tournament Championship in Madison Square Garden than it is to watch any Big Ten Championship game in Madison Square Garden. Yep. You know, yep. because it's the way it's supposed to be. You know, plus Big Ten basketball is boring as fuck. You know? <laughs> I mean, so much of it is boring, man. Yeah, these these programs or, or these conferences, you know, they just kind of they churn out this like boilerplate, boring Big Twelve like uh, Big Twelve's crap, Pac Ten or whatever they call now, Pac Twelve, uh, yeah, Pac Twelve. They're just it's like come on seriously, but um. I was excited, man. It was it was good. I had an audible, I had an audible yell and a fist bump. I watched, you know, I I I watched the whole thing because obviously I wanted to see what happened to us. Um, and what I learned without without putting my pundit hat on because I certainly didn't watch enough college basketball to to earn that right. But this is this new system, whatever they're talking about, the like they, yes, yeah certainly benefited us because it was clear that nobody watched us play and only read about what we did because we don't pass the eye test as an NCAA tournament team. Well, theoretically, the whole point was to get rid of the eye test, yeah. Right. So you look at us and we barely go five players deep. Yeah, we play six dudes, man. And have and we trouble. Have no great players. And have trouble scoring, right? No that's great not. Players. That's not a tournament team. But no. on paper, you look at some of the big wins, and yeah, you know what? Some of the bad losses turned out to be not such bad losses after after this. It's all said and done. Plus, like that we same- played. Um, we played a tough not. We had the sixteenth toughest non-conference strength of schedule. Right, but. On the eye test, that does that. I, if you told me that, if you bet me any amount of money that our non-conference schedule was that tough, I would have laughed at you. But it's on paper. That's what it was. It was, yeah. you know, it was one of the toughest non-conference schedules in in the country. So you know what? Sometimes the ball bounces our way. Eh, yep. And, and you take it. Thing is, they were all pissed off though. The committee did not want to put us in. We are the new heels of college basketball, and I'm yes, perfectly fine yes. with that. That's because fine. it's like I love that it pisses them off every time. Because um, Beheim gives Beheim no fucks. Prick. That's why he gives zero fucks. Yeah, and they can't deal with that. 
Yeah, they hate it. They hate it because he's a prick. Yeah. You know? And I'll also say this. It's like, like I know you and I were both posting things to the Twitter page yesterday, but that's the first thing I really thought about and I posted up there. It's like the fact that he got this team into the tournament, the friggin' Wayne's World thing when they see Alice Cooper. Oh, we're yeah, not yeah. worthy. We're not worthy. We're scum. You know? Like yeah, the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. he got this team that nobody had watched all year long would say is a tournament team. <laughs> and the other thing is, this is what I said straight up too. I don't even care if we win a fucking game. Because the point, the point as far as I'm concerned, isn't even winning a tournament game. It was getting into it. Because you know what? What it proves is, even with a team with a bunch of nobodies playing six dudes in the toughest conference in the country with no great players, we don't have any great players. That's a fact, you know? Yeah. Like, Tyus Battle might be our best player, but he's by no means great, no. you know? He's not like some transformative, like Danny Manning dude, you know, who carried Kansas to the championship in 88, you know? The fact that he's able to do it, especially like considering Beheim's age and, you know, how there's always a new flavor of the week and the fact that Syracuse isn't exactly the most attractive place for kids to go to school, but it lets recruits know, hey, man, you can go there and you're probably going to go to the tournament. Look what he did with a bunch of freaking nobodies, you know? Yeah. Look what he did in a down year. A down year he went to the tournament. And, yes, I know Coach K's won a bunch of titles, but he's never done shit when he hasn't had players, you know? Yes. And Calipari has players all the time. He's won one title, but he doesn't do shit most of the time, realistically. <laughs> you know, he's always has the number one recruiting class, you know? Yeah. Here we are. It's like you wouldn't have, you know, you take like the top 20th winning, winningest programs of the past 25 years, not too many of them would have traded rosters with Syracuse this year, you know? And the fact that he still got them into the tournament, it's like, dude, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. And it proves to me that he's like the most underrated damn coach in, in college basketball. Yeah, it's so true. I it's so true. I think there's a I think there's a lot of dudes that if you would have given them that same team, no matter how great their reputations are, they wouldn't have had half the team we had. It's just amazing because they didn't do crap right. They couldn't score. They scored forty four points twice this season. <laughs> Two games. You know? Yes, forty four is a great number for Syracuse. But still, it's not a great number to score in a game. Although, the truth is, we were ranked the 44th seed in the tournament. Are you aware of that? I did. I saw that. That was great. Oh, Lord. Plus, it's also nice to see Doug Gottlieb bitching and moaning about us getting in. What a a whiny little bitch he is, You know what? I think he hates his parents because I'm pretty sure his parents went to Syracuse. Yeah. Okay. What's it? Why does he have such a hard on for us? I know it goes way back, but because he's a penis, primarily, I believe. You know. <laughs> yeah, but why us? I don't know. I mean, probably has to do with the fact that his parents went to Syracuse. And he probably hates them or something. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a self loathing kind of deal. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I don't know. 
Maybe he's still bitter about Notre Dame tossing him out for stealing his credit cards or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Oh, and God forbid if you're a if you're a Gottlieb sycophant, don't you know you you can't mention that because that you know sure, happens Gottlieb so. Sycophant. I can guarantee you, I don't like you. Just by <laughs> anybody that described themselves as a Gottlieb sycophant cannot be a chill person. <laughs> no joke. No joke. You might uh, listen to it, but if you call yourself a Gottlieb sycophant, <laughs> like if you if you consider yourself on par with Gottlieb the way the Jim Rome people are, like his, uh, what does he call them? The Rome, you know, Rome's fanatics, yeah, you know? Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but he calls them something. Yeah, he's got a name for them. But if you, but if you consider yourself one of those as far as Gottlieb goes, yeah, come on. We... we I'll listen to you, I guess, but we're probably really not going to get along, you know? Uh, I got a couple notes from uh, from the from the selection uh, situation. But before I do that, what did they call that? I was just thinking about this today. Uh, what did they call that Danny Manning team? Was it Danny and the Miracles? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what they call them? The uh, Clones! The Clones! That's what it is. Oh, uh, the Jerome, Jerome Clones. clones. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's a douchebag, too. And I'm, I'm glad you did tweet out one thing in particular yesterday. That when they said during the show, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? And I'm sure okay. you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's my number one note. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. The coach, I, was it North Carolina Central it might be? The uh, coach's name yes. is LeVar Moten. They're like, was it Ernie Johnson who said it? Yes, it was Ernie Johnson. With the greatest nickname, Pawtree and Moten. And it's like, dude, there's only one Pawtree and Moten. And Syracuse retired his jersey last week. Yes. During the Clemson game. Yes, Jay Stocks was in the house. Pawtree and Moten, who was – a senior when I was a freshman, you know, and left as the all-time Big East scoring leader with his high socks and a silky smooth game. Right. That is the only poetry emotion anyone should refer to as poetry emotion. Okay. So the first thing I did when he said that was I looked up, is it Lavelle or LeVar? Ah, I don't know what it is. I just heard him say it real quick. I didn't even, I just knew that. Lawrence Moten's not the head coach of that team. <laughs> right. I, I want to get it right, just in case, just since we're going to kind Lavelle of Lavelle sounds closer. It's Lavelle. So okay. the first thing I did was I Googled Lavelle Moten, A, to find out where he played basketball, but more importantly, to find out when he played basketball. He's related to Lawrence? He graduated North Carolina Central, which I believe that's where he coaches. Yeah, yeah, he's the head coach. He graduated in 1996. So, is he related to Lawrence? Uh, Lawrence Moten's from DC, you know, so it wouldn't be beyond the pale for. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Personal, let's see here. No, doesn't have any any connection. Okay, they're saying. Um, So one, Lawrence Moten is older. Yeah, he played college basketball before Lavelle. So, by default, his nickname precedes Lavelle being called Poetry and Moten, even if he was called Poetry and Moten. I don't even know if he was. Yeah. And even if he was, Lawrence Moten was being called Poetry and Moten at Syracuse University, where you were playing on Big Monday and CBS on Saturdays or Sundays, 
in front of 30,000 people. Meanwhile, Lavelle, God love him, he was playing North Carolina Central. Lawrence Moulton left the Big East as the all-time leading yeah. scorer. So I'm saying he's playing on the biggest stage there was. He is, a, he is a Syracuse all-time great. He is a Big East all-time great. Yep. The, 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 it's, the list is one. Lawrence Moten. That's it. That's the list. Yeah, of guys that have that nickname. The guys that have that nickname. Yeah. The, that Ernie Johnson even said that. It made me cringe. Does this, Does Lavelle's Wikipedia page even refer to poetry in Moten? It, it doesn't. Yeah, see, I think Eric Johnson is just making shit up on the fly. I, I think so, too. Yeah. Think so too. Of course, I also appreciate later on when um, Greg Gumble referred to Bruce Pearl as Mike Pearl. <laughs> wow, that's Gumble. Yeah. I'm, surpri- I I'm surprised he... It's funny because I had afterwards, after all that was done, I, I did drive to the CBS and they had Bruce Pearl on the radio. And uh, and obviously he was paying attention to the whole show. And he's like... He's like, oh, I couldn't have Greg Gumble on Mike Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here we go. From 1992 to 96, uh, Lavelle uh, was a standout player at North Carolina Central. Uh, he graduated with a bachelor's degree. He became the school's third all-time. So the school's third all-time leading scorer during yeah, his, his career, college. earning him the nickname Poetry and Moten. Okay. Yeah. But. Okay. Sorry, Being dude. the third time, the th- the third leading scorer in North Carolina Central history, uh, it's not even close to the contribution that Lawrence Moten made on a national stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't blame I don't blame Lavelle for that though. It's yeah. not Lavelle's fault. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, not yeah. at all. So I don't but, want to keep on him too much like you like you seem to be relishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love I love when I tap into some uh hidden uh rage or insecurity of yours and then you can turn the table and try like like there's a tide of public perception out there that's ready to come crashing down on me and you want to make sure that i get pushed front and center but not only put me front and center you want to like amplify it a little bit you're like turning the crank on the front of the old model t ford right to make sure that i got enough steam going and i can take on this wave address your letters to sandman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so great that's probably i i get joy in a lot of a lot of interactions that we have but that's probably my favorite because you don't fool me man i know exactly what you're doing i know exactly and why you're doing it because we are very similar in a lot of ways and i know exactly what your mo is when you're doing that so that's okay i step up for the t- i'll take one for the team there i take one for the team no one wants um, to be a victim of misattribution. Um. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to that, um, I, I want to ask this a rhetorical question. And you can feel free to answer it, despite the fact that it's rhetorical. Who loves life more than Adam Zucker right now in this stage of his career? Oh, uh, nobody. Nobody. Yep. That guy stepped in a pile of shit. Good old Zuck, man. And he is strutting his stuff. Yeah. You see, he did get all giddy when uh, 
when they found out that Syracuse was the last team in. He was interviewing. Oh uh, yeah, the, yeah. When they when they interviewed the guy, that guy was kind of like, whatever. The head of the committee, he was kind of yeah. like, you know, he was more than happy to say Syracuse was the last team in too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Zuck had a big smile on his face. Yeah, you know, because he's 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 the quintessential Newhouse, the new age Newhouse geek, right? Of all yeah. that, those guys who who graduated that year, or who are in that that group, are all doing really really well. Yeah, right. Aren't there a bunch of them that Fat Pat and um, Pete Thamel. like Thamel's in that in that group, right? Yeah, Pete Thamel, Zuck. You know, those are probably the two. I guess Jeff Glore, because apparently he graduated like in 97 or 98 or something like that. The CBS guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what it's about, like, oh, uh, well, I guess he wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about like our... You sit down at the bar, you know, because they love Fagans. You know, Newhouse loves Fagans. What about our good buddy Adam Shine? Yeah, Adam Shine. Adam Shine and Pete, yeah. Time to shine. Um, He's got to be... He's the biggest wig on the on the CBS Sports Net, yeah, network, right? Not 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 CBS Sports in general, but the but the the the, the cable regional yeah, yeah. sports. He's pre he's preeminent as far as the old uh, NFL perspective goes, you know. Well, he's not he's not a a leading pundit when it comes to NCAA basketball because no. he mispronounces Notre Dame. Why was it say? Neuter. Neuter this is oh, neuter. You listen to him on the radio? Yeah, I watched. Is this I watched. Fan or something? Uh, no, he's on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, okay. So, um, wow. He wow. says Neuter Dame. Neuter Dame. There are two acceptable pronunciations, and Neuter Dame is not one of them. So uh, that is my. But well, I'd say Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame, yeah, that's how I would say it. Yeah, I guess um, Notre Dame is the other one. That gives. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got on the on the on the tournament. I'm I'm excited. I watch some watch yeah, some basketball. Yeah, I'm excited. Wednesday night, uh, nine ten Eastern, eight ten my time. We got Arizona State, you know, which will be interesting because a lot of people didn't think Arizona State should be in either. And last time we played Arizona State in the tournament was when James Harden was on the team and. Second round, I believe, and we we beat them kind of decisively. Hopefully, we'll beat them again, and I'll have something to watch in, when I'm in Costa Rica on Friday. Yeah, so yeah. you are going to Costa Rica Hello? when Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, five thirty in the morning. The plane leaves. Ugh. Oh, so at least you get a full day in Costa Rica on the on the start. Yeah, but then you gotta take like this bus from the airport there. It's like a three hour trip down to the place. So I'll probably get in there around three something. Okay. You know? But still, it'll be fine. So are you you're going for a wedding, right? Yeah, so it's at this all inclusive resort. So it's gonna be um uh they did like a little wedding shower. Not really a traditional wedding shower, but a couple of weeks ago. Like at, at the same bar we went to that time when we met Abby and Monty. Oh, okay. The Rusty Nail. Rusty Nail. So in the middle of the day, what was that? Two weekends ago. It was March 3rd. You know, out back in the patio area, they had a little party back there. And it's a couple of friends, like like one friend in particular who I haven't seen in years at this point because she lives 
across the lake, you know, and you live across the lake. You move across the lake, you might as well move to China as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fuck you, you're dead to me. (laughs) Yeah, well... I don't go over there, and they don't come down here, you know? Yeah, okay. It's the way it is. I, mean, I get it. I you're get over it. there for specific reasons. It's like sort of like the people that live like up around like where Mike Rubin stuff live now in Boston, you know? Yeah, Never that's living like in Boston and living way the fuck out in the suburbs, you know? Oh, right, God. I made the, I made the suggestion that maybe we drive down to Plymouth, uh, if Mike Peters couldn't get the the night off, we'd all drive to to go see him. And uh, Mike Peters, I mean uh, Mike Reard, quickly pointed out, yeah, for Christ's sake, Sanders, that's almost an hour and a half drive." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you would have think we needed passports to get there. Well, where these people live, you got to cross like the world's longest bridge. And I'm yeah. not even joking about that. It is the world's longest. It's a 24 mile long bridge that's, across the water. That's is that, fucking excessive. Was that how we go to Baton Rouge? No, Baton Rouge, you don't have to go that way. You know, okay. Baton Rouge, you just get in the interstate, you bypass all that stuff. You're going west. Okay. To Baton okay. Rouge. But this is a, they live on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain, and the bridge right. friggin' runs right across the lake, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's fucking terrible. You know, because it'd be one thing if it was 45 miles away, like just straight up 45 miles away, but 45 miles away where 24 miles is on a bridge over fucking open water. It's kind of a fucking, uh, you know, it adds to the horridness of the trip as far. And they got people that make that commute every morning and evening back. Oh, that's brutal. Round tripping to work, you know? Yeah. I I said from the time I was a young person, I would never – like a kid that I would never live over there. So I have very little interest in visiting over there unless there's a real good reason for it. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's kind of how I have, have uh, positioned New York city in my, in my social life. Like it's close enough that I could do it and enjoy it, you know, but yeah. I don't want to deal with the hassle. There's not enough yeah. upside for me. Yeah, I got you. I mean, the opposite side here is, for me, it's like, why well, live where everything is anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. City. Why don't I want to drive to the suburbs? You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kind of do everything like they they sanitize it and whitewash it, the aspects of, like, the stuff they like down here, you know? You know, like, oh... Acme Oyster House. Oh, we love oysters. So they open a standalone Acme Oyster House up there. You know, they take the little bits of the area down here, but they're all afraid of New Orleans, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. of all the crime. It's like, yeah, all right. I mean, like my friend and her husband that live there, they're, you know, they're people that were raised up there. So I get it. Because that's, because that is a draw for people when they're raised around somewhere because, Especially when you get married, you have kids. You want to be near people that a, your infrastructure, your children. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Basically, but like the other side, they got the people that head over there because, oh well, you know, I'm gonna have a family. I want to be somewhere safe. And it's like those are even that's those are the lesser people as far as I'm concerned. 
it's like, uh, yeah, you probably got you. You probably don't have a dog barking twenty feet away from you like I do, but fuck it. It's like, you know, there's certain things I wouldn't give up, you know, for the convenience of like, you know, being able to walk around and find something. You know how it is. If you're one of these exurbs, it's not like you can exactly like you live in a walkable area. The know? other day, it was ten thirty on a Friday night. And I really wanted a carbonated soda, like yeah. a carbonated, like, uh, you know, seltzer water. And I can't move my car. I can't, on a Saturday night, I'll never get a parking spot again. So I put on my jacket and I walked a couple blocks to the right Aid and picked myself up a, a carbonated uh, beverage. Yeah. It's... I can't do that. Any- if I'm going to be anywhere but the epicenter of activity i'm gonna be in the sticks i'm gonna be in montana i'm gonna be you know in the mountains like totally off the grid because then you can appreciate the quiet and the solitude and the nature and the you know stars and whatever anything else just removing yourself far enough away to like smell the apple pie but not eat the apple pie is is too far away yeah you so. move to, they move to these exurbs and it's like well i'm on uh one and a half or two acres you know i don't have to worry about my neighbors bothering me but still neighbors it's like yeah but you gotta walk like a half a mile just to get to your mailbox you know yeah, and and, and it's like this, and then if you walk, and, but there's nothing cool to see, even if you walk three miles away from your house, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like that. I'm no, and that's kind of the way I am about everything. I'm I'm a city guy, you know. That's all there is to it, you know. Like I have more of an interest, like like going to Costa Rica. It's going to be fun as hell, and not that like. This is just like something uh, – not that I wouldn't do the jungles and stuff if I went down there. But if I was going to – but this is because it's a wedding. It's different. But if I was going to go on a vacation myself, I wouldn't plan an all-inclusive resort You know, because that's not my style. Right. You know? Right. My style is kind of like to get somewhere where I can move about and have access to like go check out local foods and stuff like that. You know, You know what I'm saying. Yeah, catch the flavor. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I like to be amongst the people and not be amongst them when I want to, you know? Yep. And so the whole idea of living like in the extended suburbs is totally unappealing to me when the idea that if you want to do anything really fun, you got to drive an hour away to do it, you know? Because, yes, they might be able to put uh, facsimiles of all the well-known restaurants or whatever over there, you know? But they're not going to move, like, the Superdome, the arena, the Sanger Theater, where, like, the cool concerts and comedians and stuff come. None of that shit's moving to the North Shore. Right, right. <laughs> Regardless. It's like, if you still want to do cool shit like that, you're going to have to drive an hour away for that. And what do you want to do when you go to stuff like that? You'd like to have a couple of drinks. So you're going to... Freaking either drive and then have to worry about that. You're going to Uber and Ubering back and forth, which is surprisingly reasonable. It's still, it's still ridiculous. It's like 60 something dollars each way. 
You know? Yeah. It's like, dude, you might as well hop on a plane and go to Houston and check it out because you can take a plane, a round trip ticket to Houston for like 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's too much crime in Houston. You'd have to yeah. go visit the, the suburbs that are about 45 minutes outside of Houston just to make sure that you're safe. Yeah, so I have no interest in... I like being in hard scrabble, rough and tumble city. You know, that's just yeah. me. Yeah, but um, this is what a law school uh, classmate who's coming to the wedding is. Are they going to the wedding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she was one of the first people to be friends with law school. She, oh man, it's like I saw the vision. It's like, oh, this is gonna be hard because she is a hard drinking broad. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't know if I can keep up with any of this shit anymore, you know? Especially when you're going to be at all-inclusive where they just feed you booze. Yeah. You know? There's no, like, oh, got to hold out, you know? Got to watch my budget because it's all paid for anyway, you know? Yeah. I I went to uh, Kurt got married. Uh, Kurt Dalton of uh, St. John's Prep, University of Chicago, and most... uh, most relevant to my existence, Oasis Casino fame down in Curacao. Yep. So he got married while we were all down there, and he put everybody up in the all inclusive. You had to get yourself there. But if Damn, that's a good deal, though, man. If you got there, I've been lucky in that sense. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of weddings in general, and I'm certainly less of a fan of. Uh, of destination weddings, but guys who have gotten married in destination situations have either I've been particularly close to, or at my stage of life was you know a center of their focus, right? So obviously yeah. Reardon got married as a, with a destination wedding, and he didn't invite. It wasn't even like you could go if you wanted to. He literally kept the invite list small. And it was only people who lived in Curacao because we knew our way around and, like, he didn't have to worry about, like, entertaining or throwing a rehearsal dinner party or, you know, he wanted to keep it real low-key, but... He kind of changed his tactic as it got closer, I remember. Because I remember he was, like, when I was in Boston, like, whatever, the previous time before he got married. Hold on. You know, he was telling me about the wedding. And he's like, oh, "All right, you know, like, like it was going to be a big affair." But I guess they restricted because then I remember him sending me kind of like a, you know, like a very, I don't know, a conciliatory text message. It's like, "Hey, man, it's just we're keeping it small," you know. Yeah. And I was yeah. perfectly fine with that. I totally get it. You know, it's like I, I want to say there was somebody, somebody close enough in our inner circle. That was like, well, I'm coming. You can't stop me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Cutty. And I don't, it was along the lines of Cuddy, but it wasn't Cuddy. Um, you know, somebody, it wasn't me, and it wasn't Dan Fabrizio. It was yeah. somebody close enough to us that under other circumstances would would have been at his, would have been at Reardon's wedding, but, you know, he kind of like wanted to keep it relatively small and, and, and low key. And the other wedding I went to was Kurt's who um, 
you know, he was super loaded, so he paid for everybody to to stay there. But it wasn't a huge guest list. Uh, it was his college roommates. It was a couple of guys from Curacao, uh, and it was his family. And then his wife's family was like small, maybe non-existent. I don't even know if she had a huge family, but yeah. it was El it Gringo was... Sabroso was definitely there, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so those are the two weddings that I traveled for, and the all-inclusive one was Kurt's, and you know it was probably not. I wouldn't have gone there if I wasn't going for a wedding. You know, okay. like the, the all-inclusive thing isn't necessarily my style or appealing. I'm like I'm like you in that sense. Having especially living having lived abroad and gone to the places that you wouldn't have found if you were just a tourist anyway. Yeah. Those are the best places to go. Yeah. So, um yeah, so I can appreciate that. But but you how big of a crew is, is going to this thing? See, I'm not even sure. Like I can't imagine it's going to be more than like 30 people, I'm guessing, you know? But I really don't – I mean, because he's from California originally, so he'll have family there. But I'm not – by definition, it can't be too big. But I know in December when I tried to book rooms through the travel agency that was hooking them up, they were like, oh, we're already out of rooms, you know? So I had to book it directly through the hotel. Okay. But um, – I mean, so as far as people I know, it might be about 10 people I know, you know? All right. But, I mean, then you got to take into account, like, her people, like her family, you know, which isn't a huge family, you know? So I know it's, you know, I know that's not going to be a whole lot of people. But, I mean, I know he's got a brother, you know, and I know his parents will probably be there. But I don't think I don't think it's really going to be huge, huge, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean... It could be more than 30, but I feel safe saying that that would be the size, and it could be less, and maybe it might be more, but I don't think it'll be too many more, you know? Is it is it is it a situation where, uh, hey, listen, we're going, and we're getting married, we'd love you to come, but if you can't come, no sweat, or is it a situation like, we're going, uh, you better be there because... This is a huge party, and you know it's disappointment to us if you can't make. Like, you I don't know, think it's anything. I don't think. I think had I not been able to go, they wouldn't have made a big deal of it. You yeah. Know? Okay. All right. Cool. We were at the um, we were at the wedding shower thing a couple weeks ago. There were a couple of guys who were not definitely in. Like, kind of like, well, maybe we'll go. I don't know. Maybe we'll go. You know. Yeah. yeah but they yeah, yeah. still weren't in yet. You know. Yeah. Because. The way the thing works with all-inclusive, like, I, I have a room with another guy. But our room can fit up the four people, technically. So, theoretically, you know, all I've put down is the deposit yet, you know, so far. Yeah. So, you can show up, and as long as, you know, I can show up with the roommate guy and me and then two other people. And as long as they pay for the all-inclusive, you know, the price for what it costs for them they could stay in the room, you know? So yeah. that's not a huge deal, you know? So right. theoretically, you could hop on a plane and just go if you wanted to. You know, and as long as, yeah. I'm assuming that, like, the RSVP isn't as important as a traditional wedding because everybody's, uh, I'm assuming they're getting married in the place, right? 
Yeah, they get married on Saturday evening. Yeah. So you don't have to like you know, we we need four salmon yeah, dinners. Yeah, like, there was it said like on the on like that you saw the invite when you were here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It said RSVP, but there's no real RSVP on there, you know. Right. It was like you go on there and either you buy the ticket or you don't, you know, yeah. or either you say you're gone or you're not, you know, you know, like you you go through it, you know. So are you? And we'll we'll the next show we do, you'll be you'll be back. We won't do a show until until then. Uh, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But uh, are you excited? Are you looking forward to going? Or there's some nervous anticipation, you know. It's gonna be fun. I just need to go. I need to run to a tanning salon and get some friggin' friggin' tanning bed time, though. Really. <laughs> okay. I could right. get it a little bit, you know. All right. In I mean, there's anticipation because that whole thing where I don't want to get too fucked up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. <laughs> All inclusives are tough. Uh, we went to. Uh... That's the famous uh, Chip Palumbo and I in the pool at okay. the uh, all-inclusive family Palumbo family vacation. Ah, oh, nice. And I missed the dinner. Yeah, we've talked about that before. because you know, listen, you're sitting in a pool. Next thing you know, six hours later, uh, you're about twelve rum punches into the mix, and you haven't gotten out of the pool yet. Something's wrong with that equation. Yeah. You're feeling no pain. Um, if it was just a regular wedding, like, I don't know, they were getting married in Fort Lauderdale or um, or back in California where, where the dude's from, one, would you be as apt to go? And two, would you look for? Do you like going to weddings? Uh... It depends. I don't really like going to weddings by myself. It's boring. Yeah, okay. You know, when I was younger, that was fun. But the older you get, the friggin' less cool that is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is. It really sucks to go to a wedding as a stag. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. There's no one else is stag at the wedding. And if you're stag at the wedding, who were the people that were stag around you when you were a kid that were in their 40s? There's nobody you really friggin', you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, weirdos? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah, see, okay, so I, I've i been to weddings stag. The Peters uh, wedding, I went to stag. I went to stag Cuddy's wedding by myself. Um yeah, and those are two weddings I got pretty fucked up at. So I, I understand the that nervous anticipation. Nowadays, I don't I don't like weddings. I don't have time for weddings. I don't. I mean, you don't get invited to so many. The older you get, because your friends are getting married when they're between like twenty eight and thirty five. Basically, very true. I'm also, <laughs> you know, I'm also like, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> just gonna fail anyway yeah come on don't maybe i'll have some mediation work yeah listen people don't make us don't drag us down with you that's fine you want to do this go ahead and do it believe me out of it <laughs> uh, i've had that conversation with 
with people, uh, people close to me, people who are in a similar situation that I'm, I'm in, and they're like, don't you, don't, do you, I don't want to say this, but, um, don't you, and I'm like, what, hate those people? <laughs> and they're like, yes, don't you feel bad that you hate those people? And I'm like, yeah, but... You know, over time, it, it, it you know the vitriol and the the vim and vigor reduces a little bit, but still. I mean, at this point, the people whose weddings I've gone to are people I really like, you know, because I'm not getting invited to just random weddings anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Like, I think I only got, I just got a wedding invitation to a a, a wedding of uh, a cousin um, that I can't go to because I am working, but. Um, all the better. That's fine. Good. Uh, you know. Otherwise, I'd be carpooling with my parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. All right. Well, good, man. Uh, get your sunscreen. Make sure you make sure you you take care of yourself um, physically there. But uh, you know, have a good time. Have yeah, good time. I mean, it'll be a good time. I mean, it's always nervous anticipation. Even though I'm I'm not a bad flyer. It's still always nervous anticipation before I get on a big flight. Is know? the uh, is the uh, wedding attire? Is it South American casual? Yeah, is it's it... casual. Like the dudes are wearing like linen pants and like linen shirts. I'm bringing a pair of seersucker pants and and like a sheer type of shirt, you know, because I don't really feel like going out and buying new clothes for this. So I was like, this is the most summery looking stuff I have, you know. Right. And that's the only pair of, like, long pants I will wear. You know, I could probably get away with wearing shorts, but I have a feeling there'll probably be enough people that don't, you know, wear shorts to make me feel awkward if I do. Oh, yeah, so, even I wore pants at, at yeah. uh, Reardon's wedding. Yeah, so I'm going to wear seersucker pants, which is perfectly fine because we'll be in Costa Rica. It's fine. You know, I don't have to worry about people talking, enforcing fashion rules, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. So it's it's... Yeah, it's going to be that, a button-down, like, yeah, shirt, you know, like, you know, very lightweight shirt, you know, a summer shirt. Here's what I'd recommend, though. I don't know if you typically wear an undershirt, um, but I would get yourself a, a uh, tank top or, uh, as the kids say, a guinea tee, um, because if the party is outside... And you're gonna have a couple yeah, cocktails. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably spend for everything anyway. Yeah. yeah. So there's pictures of me at Reardon's wedding. Luckily, I had, I believe, I'd wore an undershirt for that reason. But my pants are soaking because I wore uh, linen pants and a and a, a linen guayabera shirt, like uh, you know, those Cuban shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have like a very lightweight button-up shirt. Yeah, uh, but I probably sweat through it anyway because I do sweat through it all the time anyway when I do wear it in the heat. But the pants, like I'm not wearing. The problem was with the linen pants. I have like linen blend pants, but they're like a blue pair and a green pair of the shirts I have, or a blue shirt and a green shirt. And I was like, yeah, I'm not matching either one of those together. Yeah, right. And right. It just seems too much. But I was like. I could pull it off with the seersucker pants, and seersucker's still a tropical fabric, so it's fine. There you go. Um, um, hey, I the, might go get a. I might go get one of those. Um, an A shirt, as I believe they call them. Yeah, 
Yes. 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 The Acer. Go get yourself one of those. You'll you'll uh, be thanking me. Listen, the Boltman wedding was a two part. Uh, episode we covered your your exploits on oh, that the wedding. Boltman wedding was a friggin that's a legendary wedding yeah we, we it took us two episodes affair. It, t- it took us two episodes to uh, recount that so um for those of you looking forward to what's coming next uh, the sky's the limit the sky's the limit um i got some other stuff but i'm gonna hold on to it because it's late and uh yeah i do want to say one thing about our oscars Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. The big Oscars. The big, big Oscar episodes. First of all, um, it was uh, it got the feedback uh, that I believe that episode deserved. Heard from a few folks. Uh, they enjoyed it. They they like that we put that out uh, every year. And apparently, um, every year it gets better and better. So, so there yeah. you go. And it definitely helps when you see most of the movies. Because it definitely helped my picking this year. Well, that's and I'm a perfect example of that because I don't think I got one right. Well, you probably you did get something right because I know you picked the same as me for at least one or two. I think. <laughs> um, I'm trying um, to think. I was looking. I went. Let me see. And I got the sheet right in front of me here. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Pull the sheet out because I thought that was funny that you put that up on. Uh, on social media, which is great because I know you always get so frustrated that I make you write shit down because we are we are recording it for posterity, and there's there should be no reason Let's to write it down. Favorite? It definitely wasn't the um, best picture because we both picked three billboards with our dark horse being Shape of Water, which was the actual winner. Uh, okay, so my favorite for best director was Guillermo del Toro. Now, there was a transcription issue I noticed when I looked at this later on. I okay. have favorite, Benicio del Toro, and I have Dark Horse under my name, Benicio, uh, not Benicio, Guillermo del Toro, del Toro. Okay. And then on both lines in the same spot is Gerwig with an asterisk. What I think was, I think we both picked, I know I picked Del Toro to win Best Director. I think you also picked Del Toro to win Best Director. I think we said Gerwick with Asterix, hoping she would win. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. All right. Because yeah. I did, I looked at your, your screenshot and I was like, oh, I picked Gerwig. I remember wanting to hype her. Um, but I think what we came back with was, listen, they're going to reward Del Toro because he deserved yeah. to be rewarded, but I wouldn't be surprised, and apparently you agreed with me, that if uh, that Gerwig got something. I think we were both rooting for her. Yes, I think yeah. you're right. Because, oh, sorry. And I, I just messed up the transcription. It should have been Del Toro, Del Toro on the same line, and Gerwig, Gerwig on the same line beneath it. Okay, so we got that right. Yeah, um, so you got I, that right. Now let's see. Uh, we'll start out with best supporting actor. I said Sam Rockwell. You said Christopher Plummer. My dark horse was Defoe. Your dark horse was nobody. Sam Rockwell, as we all know now, won, and he had a great. Did you watch the Oscars? Okay. So all right. So not only did I watch the Oscars prior to the Oscars, post recording prior to the Oscars, I watched. A lot of movies, I, including Three Billboards and Lady Bird. And um, Three Billboards w- was phenomenal. If I had seen that, although 
Um, I think Sam Rockwell was great. I would have given the nod to Woody Harrelson, but understand why he didn't give in what and we, we had said. that on the show. Yes, correct. And why I thought Sam Rockwell would win it anyway. And also considering his role in the movie, whereas Woody Harrelson kind of, you know, his role kind of wraps up, you know? Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, Sam Rockwell's acceptance speech was great. He's talking about, like, when he was, like, a kid in school. Yes. His dad comes in and he gets called down to the principal's office and his dad's down there and, like, it's about your grandmother and he's leaving. He's like, something's wrong with grandma? He's like, no, I just want to go see a movie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was great. That was great. Um. All right. So Sam Rockwell won. I got that one. Best supporting actor, actress. My favorite was Allison Janney. Your favorite was Laurie Metcalf. My dark horse is Laurie Metcalf. Your dark horse is Mary J. Blige. Uh, Allison Janney won. Although I was really rooting for Laurie Metcalf. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because I, I think thought that- she was phenomenal in Lady Bird. I thought she was deserving of the Oscar. But they do love Alice and Janney. Yeah, and that went down exactly exactly how we thought it would go down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't have too many complaints there, but I would have liked to see Laurie Metcalf because she. I think that was her first nomination ever. And when you see these older actors and actresses, you know, and you, you know, you, how long it takes to get nominated for an Oscar, you know? Like, it's not something that just comes willy-nilly, you know? Yep. So it's like you would like to see them get rewarded when they get a chance, Um, especially when it's somebody who you like. And I used to like her and Roseanne back in the day, you know? Yeah, well, you can like her and Roseanne again. Yep, yep, it's coming back. All right, best actor in a leading role. My favorite was Gary Oldman. Oh, let me go back to best... Uh, support an actress. Mary J. Blige, I didn't think she would win this, but I thought they would at least give her best song. No. 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 She got screwed. This year, and and when I realized a lot of it, there's always like a statement they're making. And their statement, like, yes, it might have been deserving, but I think it was a statement about uh, Donald Trump and anti-immigrant sentiment, which is why they gave the song to Coco. Yeah. It, it didn't help that those two are annoying. The Who's husband, that? The husband and wife team that uh, 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 that won for yeah. the best song. But, I mean, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, no, I know? agree. I agree. Like, if Mary J. Blige would have had best song in the year, like 12 Years a Slave was taking everything, she probably would have won. I'll tell yeah. you who I'll tell you who they have actually themes the Oscars, you know. You know who had the best song? Actually had the best song? Common. But the yeah, Academy but said won last year. So. The Academy said there is no fucking way we live in a universe that we're giving common to Academy Awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although he deserved it. Definitely. It's like <clears throat> first person to get nominated for best song and an acting award. You know, you got to give her one of the two. Yep. yep. You know? Um, best actor leading role. My favorite was Gary Oldman. Your favorite is Daniel Day-Lewis. And my dark horse was Daniel Day-Lewis, and your dark horse is Gary Oldman. 
and Daniel Day-Lewis for both of our sides, I think were framed around the same reason that I had as dark horse because I could see him winning because it was supposed to be his last picture. I think you had him as favorite for the same reason, basically, right? Yep. yep. Gary Oldman won, which which I was pleasantly surprised with, you know? Uh, I mean, I thought he definitely should have won, but I still was pleasantly surprised. Best actress lean role? Yes, you picked McDormand, like me. Frances McDormand, you also picked her. So there you go. That's another right for All you. All right. And my dark horse was uh, Meryl Streep, and yours was Hawkins, you know, from Shape of Water. Yeah, because I was really afraid that uh, Shape of Water was going to get shut out. Joke was on me. Yeah, yeah. And Frances McDormand, you saw three billboards. She definitely deserved it. You know? All right, so best director, as we said earlier, we both picked Guillermo del Toro. And he won... You know, whatever. We both had Greta Gerwig as our sentimental dark horse favorite, but she did not win. Uh, but I thought that's where he was going to get it. And they were going to reward three billboards. Favorite movie. Best picture. Favorites. We both picked three billboards. We both had Shape of Water as dark horse. All right. Because All right. if three billboards wasn't going to win, it was definitely going to be Shape of Water. Three billboards should have won, but it was Shape of Water. <laughs> I was so close to a 6-0 and night. You know? I'm salty about it for a couple reasons. One, I like Shape of Water a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I honestly believe Three Billboards was the best movie of the year. It was the most impactful movie as far as I'm concerned, you know? And the other thing is, it's three major stars were nominated... We're each nominated for an acting award, and two of them won. The only reason all three of them didn't win is because two of them were gone up against each other in the same fucking category. Right. right. How the fuck is it not the best fucking picture of the year? <laughs> what the fuck, Academy? Yeah. Come on, throw me a fucking bone. You gave him, you gave him best director. Couldn't you have? You didn't even nominate the director for three billboards. You know, I'm pretty sure he wasn't even nominated as best director. You know? Yeah. At least throw him a fucking bone and give him best picture. What a what a crock of shit. And that's where I leave that at. I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> well, on that note. Uh, with, apology, with apologies to Girk's brother. We will see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adios, Fredo. See you at the movies.